Welcome to Portfolio Pulse, the money podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Stephen Husky, owner of Husky Financial Consulting and Wealth Management. Our goal is to help leaders accumulate wealth and empower them to build the life they deserve. Each week, we interview a purpose-driven leader or medical professional that is building a thriving business with community impact. We ask tough questions, learn the habits they practice to build successful careers, and discover a secret they can pass on to help others build their businesses. It's time to talk money, meaning, and maximum impact. Hello, and welcome to the Portfolio Pulse podcast podcast, the go-to podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs, hoping to learn more about achieving financial wellness, accumulating wealth, and building the life they deserve. In every episode, we either interview a purpose-driven leader or medical professional that is not only building a business, but giving back to the community as well, or we present a subject in finance that is relevant today. Our guest that we have today is Alex Junku. He is a business and contracts attorney here in Charleston, South Carolina, and owns his own practice, Law Office of Alexandru Junku, LLC, or Junku Legal. He has deep expertise in business transactions of nearly every kind. Prior to law practice, he spent about a decade working in the Department of Defense IT space, managing contracts that together were approximately $350 million in value. And Alex now serves our local business owners to run smoother, better, and more profitable companies. Sir, thank you for joining us, man. Steven, thank you. <laughs> so, um, you know, love having great people on the show like yourself. And, you know, we meet people of all kinds, especially from the, uh, the entrepreneurial space. So why don't you give us a brief rundown about you and your background and how you got into this role? Sure. Thank you. I'd be happy to. So uh, I'm a business lawyer, like you said, by trade. I found out over the years that I have a pretty deep passion for working with small businesses, um, you know, their owners, with executives, and especially with entrepreneurs and startups. That proved to be really rewarding. And uh, my prior corporate ops expertise really gives them a lot of value. So for roughly a decade, uh, I worked with the larger sophisticated organizations like IBM, Booz Allen's, and a lot of just really sharp IT firms. After that stint, I decided to really redeploy all of my business and legal expertise back to the local community and you know, hopefully foster their success and their growth because I, I am intimately familiar both as a business owner um, and as someone who serves and just works uh, a, a tremendous amount with the small business community, what, what the hurdles they face. So my career started in contract management um, in, in the world of federal defense contracting. From there, I grew into operations management, business intelligence reporting, uh, strategic planning, and ultimately being in-house counsel and their compliance guy. So when I left corporate America, uh, my, my role was basically VP of contracts, and I was the compliance officer for the IT company. About eight years ago, I opened my law practice, and it's been a heck of a ride, man. I work with basically dozens of business owners every week. I see transactions and business mistakes like you wouldn't believe, and I have a great time just working alongside those business owners and in almost any industry you can think of, which is fantastic because it gives me so many lessons learned and I can take those lessons and roll them into each of my future clients. And you do a lot and you've seen a lot at this point. And I know it's, gonna, it's only helping you be better for your clients. Since we have a lot of listeners that are in the entrepreneurial space, what are maybe some of the mistakes 
that these business owners can avoid right away, either by just speaking with you about a couple of things or should just learn on their own? So that, my friend, might be more in the uh, sphere of legal advice, which we do not want to give. <laughs> we do not give legal podcast. advice. Correct. But, um, you know, it's a good question. And, and that's a common question that a lot of folks ask. It's not a simple one because it really varies with each business. Every business has its own sense, um, its own style. It really is representative of the owners of the business, mm-hmm. right? And that'll come with your knowledge level, your prior level of uh, expertise, maybe how well you communicate with people. So the, these problems that we're talking about, they don't just, um, they're not just isolated in a legal vacuum. They really stem from the other things that we do, right? The contract, for example, is one, uh, one tool that can help you do a much better job through your transactions. It can help you internally, right? To run your company better. It can help you externally to reduce what I like to call transactional friction with your vendors, with your industry partners, heck, maybe even your investors, right? So having good contracts is, is really key uh, um, if you're doing something more than, than just selling hot dogs or t-shirts, right. um, which <laughs> is, it's a, it's a, those are complex things all on their own, mm-hmm. but you know, the, the more sophisticated of an operation you want, the more growth and scaling that you want, that just means you have a lot more moving parts and those, those systems, right? This is my IT brain, my compliance brain talking, but those systems need to be um, organized properly and designed properly. And this is a combination of law, right? What are our legal requirements to run things uh, smoothly and fluidly, but also what are best practices for your particular industry, right? So we, we have to, in, in my practice, and, and this is something that I think makes us a little bit unique, given that I've, I've done this in the, in the corporate world as a business owner, as an executive, is we take the, the legal considerations, we take the business considerations, the interpersonal issues, right? Those soft factors that a contract necessarily won't address, but we design something that molds to your business and along the way reduces a tremendous amount of risk. So a lot of companies that I've dealt with uh, have just gotten some basic documentation from um, an attorney that maybe doesn't specialize in contract law or something as simple as legal zoom. You know, they think that that's going to cover them what, in, without giving legal advice, obviously, what, what are some things that uh, make you unique in your industry that offer the authority that, that uh, they should be working with somebody like you? Sure. And I, I think there are two issues there that you address. Um, and I'll, I'll answer your question about what maybe makes me unique. But I, I will say having the right tool for the job is critical in anything that you do, right? Imagine if, if you work in construction and you show up to work and all of your tools are, um, you know, kids toys, soft plastic. You're not getting a lot done you're not going to get a lot done. And probably what's going to happen is you're going to get injured. Somebody else is going to get injured along the way. It really is the same with business law. And I tell folks, and this is my personal opinion, you know, the, especially in the entrepreneur space, um, folks have such a diversity of opinion of where the lawyer falls. Um, And again, it's specific to each company, but using generic tools generally isn't going to be ideal. Will it get you through a situation perhaps. Um, something like LegalZoom, because this comes up all the time. I've got folks who call me and they say, well, I got this contract from LegalZoom. Can you just fix my problem that stemmed from this contract? Well, 
I didn't draft it. I didn't know the circumstances in which it was used. And now, you know, you don't even know what that contract said because you just plugged in some data and the, the system, let's say the legal zoom or whichever it may be, they just crank out something. Here's your copy of your contract. Good luck. We don't do that. We, and, and I never draft anything until I get to know the client, until I know their business enough where I could almost step in their shoes and run their own business. And then I'll put something together that is appropriate for them. And then we walk them through it. I show them what's in there, why it's in there, and basically give them implementation guidance into how it applies to what they're doing so that they don't come back to me and say, Alex, why is this here? Why are they asking this question? The vendor doesn't want this. We really have to, what happens is we co-build that, right? You give me feedback as the business owner, and then I put my legal expertise and my prior business expertise, roll it all into one so that literally it's turnkey and you can start making money and you can start transacting. Does that help answer a little bit about the the, the uniqueness? And, and I say that because as a lawyer, we, we do have specialized training, right? I'd say more than the, uh, the layman, the average person, we just know some things that, that make us a little bit more potent in legal dealings. In my mind, lawyers are like doctors, right? Doctors have their own verticals, their own specialties, and uh, so do we. There's criminal law, there's estate planning law, there's admiralty, maritime law, there's um, personal injury, there's business, and then there's securities, and then there are probably 25 other types of subspecialties, right? And so if, if your uh, heart surgeon is also a professional foot surgeon and an elbow surgeon and a whatever else, it's probably a little bit too diversified. And you don't see that, right? The, a surgeon specializes in one thing. So what we focus on is really business transactions. We don't do anything else. We don't do family law. We don't do criminal because those things have a myriad of complexities all on their own. And that's not my jam. I understand that completely. You know, if if you're a business owner, for instance, like which both of us are, and you want to try to be everything to everyone, you know, you're working your vertical, you're not working your verticals, you're working your sphere horizontally. And so you're learning a lot. You're trying to be a lot and trying to do a lot. You're going to run yourself ragged as a business owner. So pick one to two. Sometimes it's like in my case, three things and work that up and down really well. Get to know the structure, the, the pain points. Um, the things that they are concerned with and help those business owners with that specific thing. And just be the guy in that area, be the authority in that space. Otherwise, again, you're going to run yourself into the ground. Totally. And that's, that's actually a really good point. So I have a, excuse me, I have a lot of folks who um, are really good at what they do. Like they're so passionate about something. They're, they're fantastic. It could be, they make the most amazing uh, paintings or they can fix a car like nobody's business Um, or they'll design IT systems that run artificial intelligence programs and just, just, they can do magic in their, let's call it trade. That's one area. The problem is when you become your own business owner, now you have to also become an expert in 20 other verticals, (laughs) HR, legal, you know, just everything, finance, accounting. And so you're absolutely right. It'll spread you so thin and unfortunately it distracts that business owner, that entrepreneur from doing the things that they love, now they become something totally different, right? And, and ultimately, it, by not planning a business properly, you create, and I think we, we hear this all the time, you just create a job for yourself that you absolutely can't walk away from because you've put too much in it, too much time and money. 
right? And so this is where folks like me, folks like you come in on the financial planning, financial strategy side on, with me, it really, and, and my help can, can branch a little bit outside of just pure legal and just pure contracts or, or compliance, um, but really helping them with thinking through the business concept. Because if you, if you have a poor design, it will lead to breakages and those breakages will inadvertently be legal in nature, right? So to, to answer your, your second question is what makes me unique in my industry? Um, I, I'd say there's a couple of things. One is my passion for business and entrepreneurship in general. Um, I, I sort of hesitate to say that I'm a closet entrepreneur, but I really am. I just, I study business systems. I read up on the latest business trends um, and I love learning how people run their businesses across all industries. The, the second one is my background as a business operator um, and my familiarity with, with nearly every aspect of running a complex business and a large business too. The last company I was at, I think we had maybe 140 employees. Being able to work with folks top to bottom in a company is, um, is amazing. It's extremely rewarding, but you learn. You, know, you learn from everybody's perspective because they do see it differently. The executive, and the, the manager and the admin assistant and the engineer and the salesperson, they all see it from a very different lens, right? The um, other item, so having a familiarity with complex business systems, right? And this is something I learned from, from my IT family back in the day, just being able to design and implement and administer those systems, I think is pretty rare. Most people are good at just one or two things, but I learned the full life cycle of how an IT system works and really uh, business is very similar. You've got to think of a concept, you've got to design it and put it down as a plan. You've got to start testing it, implementing it, and then refining it, right? Um, and then my last one is I just have a really big desire to help people. Like I love people uh, and I love helping them turn their skills and passions into, into a business machine. Ultimately that rewards them for making smart risks uh, and smart decisions. Ooh, that was long. You do a lot for people. I mean, <laughs> it's not as simple as just saying you're you're a contract attorney or a business attorney. Like you know so much because you do a lot of research on your own. I had this conversation with a, a PhD a couple weeks ago, and she was talking about adult learning. And it sounds mm -hmm. so simple, but I'm like, what is adult learning? And she told me she's like, you know, from the day that we remember, you know, our first memory or whatever it is, all the way until the end of either you know, grade school or college or higher learning, whatever it is, you're given a curriculum, you're, you're learning the things they're telling you to learn, you're stuffing it in your brain, you're testing on your memorization skills and all of that. So all the learning you're, you're doing is kind of reactive to somebody else. But as, a, as an adult and as a professional, when you have your job, it's up to you to go out and proactively find out information and do your own research and find the sources of credibility and all those different ways and trying to make it so that uh, you retain all that information and use it to keep growing. Unless you're in a curriculum, it's not going to happen unless you do it on your own. I think you have to keep doing that as a professional. It sounds like that's a part of your journey. It's, you know, so you're, you're definitely right. Um, and, and on the learning topic, that can be really hard mm -hmm. when, when you're split in so many ways as a business owner. And unfortunately, a lot of businesses run by exception management, right? Well, somewhere I read that they said, if you don't have your own internal terms and conditions, right, the, the how of how you run your business and what people can expect from you, then you will inadvertently 
become subject to someone else's terms and conditions. So just brings us back to the whole, you need your own contract. Um, But you're right, learning can be really hard. And and for me, I intentionally designed my practice so that I can get paid to learn. Now I get, I choose to help people with that, right? (laughs) So it's, it's, it's a double whammy, but yeah, you're, you're totally right there. I thought I would uh, mention this too. I hope you're okay with this, but uh, uh, you know, our listeners, Alex and I, we both have children and our uh, daughters were born on the same exact day in the same exact hospital. And our wives were in the, the rooms adjacent to each other, which is pretty nuts how that happened. <laughs> and we were so we, busy. We didn't even see each other. <laughs> we only found out the hour before Stephen was about to leave. Yeah. I had to make a, a snack run and for whatever reason, uh, I think I texted him to check on he, how he's doing. And he said, oh, we had a baby. And I said, oh, yeah, where? And he said, this hospital. I said, no way. When? He said, this time. I said, no way. Well, where are you guys? And he said, this room. I said, that's back to back with us. What's going on? Yeah. But we just missed each other by a hair. But the, the coincidence that uh, we'd be in the same city, same time, same place, same hall is, I mean, I know they happen, but yeah, it's pretty amazing. And now we're in the same um, membership club at Harbor Club. We're both in the same, you know, networking group. So uh, that's the power of networking, man. I mean, you just meet great people with same, you know, commonalities and, 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 you know, our industries couldn't be more different, but we're finding a way to connect. And so if you're not doing that as an entrepreneur, get out there and network. Totally. So I know you're not specifically in the medical profession, but I know you do work with some medical professionals. So what are some lessons you'd like to share with others that are in this field? Steven, I am a doctor. A doctor of the law. That's true. Um, <laughs> sorry. So what was your question? My question is, what are some lessons that you'd like to share with others in this field? Um, whoa, there are a lot. So I do work with uh, physicians a lot. And most of the time I help them through um, employment contracts and consulting agreements. You know, less frequently, somebody's becoming a partner of, of a practice. On the contract side is really where, where I think folks should be very careful. Uh, do not make any assumptions, right? And if you're not comfortable with anything that comes in these contracts, right? And I'm speaking primarily to the folks who are uh, going to get their first job. They finish the residency, they finish their fellowship. You know, the almost the year before you start work, you're gonna get some form of contract. These things are 15, 20, 30 pages long. And some of the language in there is standard, some of it is not. Unless you see these every day, you're probably not going to know the difference. With law, you have to be careful not to make assumptions. Here's why. The language that you're used to reading in the newspaper and hearing on TV may have a different meaning to a lawyer. And so that can be really tricky. And the only way to know that is either by, you know, I can read a contract and I can tell you the level of expertise of someone who wrote it. I might be able to tell you what country they're from. Um, I can tell you if they were mad when they wrote the contract or if they were impatient or if they just, if their skill set is somewhere else, not really in, in contracts. And, and I can tell a lot about an organization when I read their contract, right? How well was it done? Did, is the person negotiating the contract, are they really the right person to do it? Or is it like a mechanic trying to negotiate a securities deal for investment into some IPO stock. Like yeah. so many little nuances. And so what I, what I would tell them is first, if you're not comfortable, seek help. Second is seek the right type of help because there are so many folks out there 
who, um, and this is another dilemma, like my entire life as a contract and business lawyer is just full of like push and pulls. There are a lot of people who want to help you and they will give you feedback, sometimes unsolicited. The problem is if they haven't done this, you know, what, what you are looking to do, then they're not really talking from experience. They're just giving you their thoughts, which thank you very much, but it's a very high stakes deal. These contracts are in the hundreds of thousands per year. And then over, let's say three years, that's a million dollar deal. Do you really want to get advice from your cousin, sisters, nephews, friend who, you know, I don't know, they sell t-shirts. Um, I'd hope not. <laughs> well, but most, what happens is most people either get, get advice from a friend, um, advice from someone who hasn't done what they've done or from someone who's not in that industry or who's not really a, a specialist or seasoned in that area. And it can be so difficult because how do you really know if somebody is an, an expert for lack of a better word, right? Um, and you only find the consequences, you find out if that advice was good, maybe two, three years down the road when something changes, when a problem arises. And the results can be catastrophic. So just like in finance, this type of contract law, like these are not some of the things that as a business owner, you should skimp on because these could be hundreds of thousands or even million dollar mistakes that some people are making. And an umbrella policy is only going to cover so much. I mean, you've got to have the right type of uh, airtight legal ease in these contracts that makes sense based on the customization uh, and individualization of these businesses that you're working with, right? So what are some of the coolest or craziest legal projects that you've worked on or most proud of? Ooh, uh, um, that is a broad question. So I have worked with clients that work in artificial intelligence and machine learning, okay. which these guys are brains. They're at the forefront of, of development of new tech. Um, one, one gentleman I work with, he's a CEO, he designed a system that if you basically plug in your requirements, it will literally build the system for you. Something that would take six engineers half a year to do, the, the system will just automatically build it with artificial intelligence. That's like mind blowing to think, right. just upload your plan and here's your house. Here's your IT system with security integrated and everything. That's crazy. The, the government contracts that I worked on, those were pretty cool. You know, some of these companies, they would build um, circuit boards for, for missiles, for these military uh, choppers, like all sorts of systems. Another gentleman, he, had a, um, he was a custom builder of mini yachts. And so he asked me to design a contract for him for, for you know, different purposes and different, um, I guess, affiliates and vendors and whatnot. So these were pretty cool. But I think so. Very, very unique in their own right, but it uh, couldn't be more different. What, what happens is uh, folks call me for specialized contracts, right? So it's just something you just can't find it on the internet. There's oftentimes there's even, uh, there might be some models out there, but they're just generic or you just don't know if you can use them. Um, and so they'll say, Alex, I have this really innovative new offering to the market. There's nothing like it out there. I need a contract. And so we work together to, to figure out what they're doing. We map it out. And then I custom craft, draft an agreement that helps them bring those transactions to life. So literally, they once we're done, they literally send the contract out and make $100,000 a pop. That's cool. Now, not everybody's yeah. selling $100,000 products or services, but um, it really is amazing. Like That is hugely rewarding to me. And obviously, 
when the client's good at what they do mm-hmm. and they've got the tool that helps them execute on that, it's magical. Well, your skills are making people real money, you know, and this is a money podcast. So we're going to talk real briefly about that. But since money is a tool, what is the hardest lesson that you've learned about money in business? <sighs> um, good question. I think the simple answer is that money can grow on trees if you run <laughs> a good, smart business if you have a good contract is what I found. And that if you stay out of trouble, trouble, primarily legal trouble, um, that money can multiply. Interesting. You know, we, we talk a lot with business owners in our world and, uh, there's what we call the three black swans or the, um, Hmm. three, three angels of death. And the first one we always talk about is lawsuit. Someone could sue you and name you personally and your business in a lawsuit and can destroy your, your revenue, your assets, what you've built, right? So that's one of the things you got to protect yourself against. And then obviously there's health and illness issues and premature death, but we talk a lot about lawsuits. And so you're right. If you have the right contract in place to protect you from that stuff, extremely important. Um, what is it that you'd like our listeners to know about you, your business and any upcoming events, Alex? Well, um, so what I'd love for them to know is that we love small business. I spend a tremendous amount of time consulting executives and business owners through all sorts of problems, right? And we go from from the grand opening of the business through growth and new partnerships, um, really to to selling their company. So if you have a business and you need help with either a contract or just want a better operation, you want fewer disruptions, um, give us a call. We love helping you. And if we can't help you, we will find somebody who is good, who will help you. A good network. That's awesome. With the five minutes we have left, Alex, I'm going to ask you three more questions. Do you have any special projects or hobbies outside of your law practice? Uh, yes. I usually have my hands in a lot of cookie jars <laughs> because to, to stay sane, I think it's good to, uh, to diversify your mind and to learn. Right. But one of the projects I have is working with doctors, actually. Um, I want to help doctors understand these transactional risks especially newer doctors, uh, because, you know, you've spent the last, you know, I don't know what, 14, 15 years or more studying, right? And the, the more that you spent time on those um, in, in that specialty, the more specialized you become, which means really the less you learn about other things, the fewer opportunities you have. And so what I'm creating is some, somewhat of a little mini MBA for young doctors to help them understand all the lessons learned that uh, I've gleaned over the years and just to help them bridge some of those gaps so that next time they're presented with a $50,000 consulting opportunity, should you pursue it? What are the things to look at? What kind of risks generally come with doing those kinds of business deals? And so that's, um, I've been working on that for a few months. I'm hoping here that in the next probably uh, month or so, I could ramp that up and um, launch it. Just want to impart some of that wisdom that I've learned over the years. Let us know when it comes out. I'll be sure to promote that to my physician clients. Um, so you're saying that once they get their doctorate in the hand, you're like, hold up, there's one more thing you need. Here's a mini MBA in con- contract law. <laughs> I think everyone in school should learn about um, business transactions business law, and basic accounting and finance. I agree with that, especially the financial literacy point of this stuff. You know, no matter what industry you're in, exactly. Financial literacy is so huge. 
Um, I saw an ad by Grant Cardone the other day, and he's like, I got an accounting degree. And when I left college, I didn't know any more. I wasn't any smarter about money. I knew how to add dollars. What you do with your money, that really is more of a strategic business decision. And it varies from person to person, which is why I have so much respect for financial advisors. And, and by the way, I learned a tremendous amount. Like I, I do work with financial advisors uh, a good bit. And from you guys, I learned so many things. The way that you see the markets, the tools that you have are like, I, I think I'm pretty good at what I do, but I would never touch financial things, uh, you know, or, or try to give financial recommendations. I would simply refer it to someone who's, uh, you know, seasoned, who's an expert in it, like yourself, because it would be a mistake, right? And so that those specialty skill sets are are so critical. And in the business world, you you just getting a good sense of what constitutes good business. There's no book that tells you. I mean, I've probably read 50 books on it, but it took that long. It took me years to really get a good sense for what's a good deal, what's a bad deal, how to structure it, how to design it, how to stay out of trouble and how to think ahead of what are the problems that may arise so we can nip them now. Yeah. Thanks for uplifting my profession so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're worth it. <laughs> what is your purpose, Alex, and lasting legacy you want to leave in your community? Sure. Well, like, you know, like I said, Stephen, over these last handful of years, um, I've, I've really been able to help uh, work with guide or counsel, honestly, probably thousands of businesses, business owners, and, and just innovators across so many industries. Um, and while that's allowed me to, to gain a tremendous amount of insight into the business world, uh, I think it's helped those folks many times over to, to help run their businesses better, to, to become more profitable. I've gotten quite a few out of trouble, which is, by the way, getting you out of trouble is 10 times harder than preventing it. Yep. 10 times more energy, 10 times more money and stress. Uh, but ultimately, I think it's also helped them to enjoy business ownership better. So my, my hope is that through these interactions and through these contributions, that the, the small business community continues to thrive, right? Because if we have better companies, ultimately, I think that just brings the community greater value. And, and ultimately, it helps employees. It creates work, you know, it just adds value. Exactly. Well, I won't speak for you, but I know for like, if anybody's interested in talking with a financial advisor, typically those first consultation meetings are, are completely free. We're just like a get to know you session. Do you have that same type of uh, structure in your business? We don't, unfortunately. And and I'll, I'll say that with a caveat. And mm -hmm. um, your, so the financial advisor consults, I think are extremely valuable because you guys do so much work up front for the client um, just to just to understand where they are so you can give them a sense of what they might need. With legal, it's a little bit different. Um, I know a lot of folks do initial consults, but in my opinion, so first of all, we're, as lawyers, we're not allowed to render legal advice unless somebody actually becomes a client. That's because we've got all sorts of privileges and rules and regulations that we have to follow to, to protect the client. Right. So if we just talk to anybody willy nilly, what that does is it conflicts us out and then then you lose your license. But a lot of folks will do free consults simply to gauge the relationship between the, the potential client and the lawyer to get a big picture sense of, OK, what happened? You know, it's like, oh, you got hit. Uh, you, you got into a car accident or you had a medical procedure and something went wrong. Our legal industry is so fact specific 
that one tiny, tiny little detail can change an entire case. Oxford and comma so, can do that. What's that? An Oxford comma can do that. Yes, absolutely. The commas, the, the ands or the ors, yep. right? I, I often tell people I read for commas. They say, oh, can you just look over this, this 20 page agreement real quick? No, sir, because we're not just reading for big picture, feel good. We're reading for every single word. Good deal. I know my wife is a paralegal, so I, she tells me all kinds of crazy stories and different cases that she's interested in. Well, thank you so much for having um, your time on the show with us, man. It's been super great to learn about you and your business, especially for our listeners. Where can they find you? Sure. So I'm. Uh, you can find me on the web, www.junkulegal, J-U-N-C-U, legal.com. Uh, phone number is 843-474-0717. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Alexandra Junku. We've got a green logo with tagline, contracts, business law compliance. And we're also on Facebook. Uh, at Junku Legal. Thanks, man. I really appreciate your time and hope our listeners got something out of this. Have a great day, all right? Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining us today on Portfolio Pulse. If you found this helpful and think others deserve to hear about us as well, please like, subscribe, and share us across any platform on social media or your podcast platform of choice. That's it for today. Remember to be happy, stay healthy, and tune in next time to remain financially fit. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PASS, Guardian, or Husky Financial Group, and opinions stated are their own. Michael is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, OSJ 4201 Congress Street, Suite 295, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28209, 704-552-8507. Securities products and advisory services offered through PASS, member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PASS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Husky Financial Group LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PASS or Guardian. 2021-130-277 expires 11-23.